All right, everybody, thanks for tuning in to Notable Nashville Podcast. Today's guest is the very talented Peter Thomas. So, Peter, thanks for taking the time and uh, chatting with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, Peter, you're such a driving force in pop songwriting and producing in today's music. How did you even get your start in in doing that sort of thing, like songwriting and producing for people? Uh, I mean, way back it started. My parents bought me um, Logic, the music production software, when I was 12 or 13. And it was initially just trial and error. I would just drag friends, sometimes willingly, sometimes unwillingly, into uh, my living room and and just record them. Uh, You know, I've always been someone who needs to like dive head first to learn things. So um, a lot of the early like writing and production uh, education that I had was just me trying to sort of make sound the likes of songs I loved. And, and, you know, you write a lot of bad songs, but um, I did that for a few years. And then it wasn't until I got to birth of quality music when I was 18, that I really got serious about, uh, you know, trying to really like, like sharpen my craft and, and meet other songwriters. Yeah, did you like going to Berkeley? I know that's a really prestigious school. Um, It's in Boston, right? It's in Boston, yeah. I grew up in Rhode Island, so I was only about an hour south of there. Um, And I I sort of had my eyes on it since I started high school. Um, It was great in the sense that I met some of my closest friends and collaborators. Um, I ended up only staying for about two semesters. Uh, You know, I found, like I said before, like I, I thought that, once I was in a school where music was the focus, I would suddenly become this like amazing student. But um, it turns out that I still uh, I have a really, really hard time focusing and engaging when the stakes are not really high. So I found that as soon as I left school and needed to find a manager and get my foot in the door, I was all of a sudden like just like on hyperdrive all the time in a really good way, mm-hmm. um, writing tons of songs, making tons of cold calls. Uh, you know, just uh, it was just something that worked out for me. But you know, everyone from my earliest artist that I worked with to my manager to this day, Ethan, I met in my freshman dorm at Berkeley. Wow, that's cool. Well, yeah, I know, I know that's, yeah. the, that's the story for a lot of people. They just uh, they're not. I don't know. They feel like they can uh, grow more without being at school, and obviously, it's it's worked for you. So, um, what are what are some of the producers that that have helped shape your style? Uh, today that that you kind of uh, get inspired by? Yeah, it's so hard whenever I do this because it's like there's like a, a running uh, <laughs> list in my head that's always getting added to. Um, I think some of the big ones were like, um, you know, like some of the pop titans like Max Martin, um, you know, had some uh, early... Uh, career moments where like I the very very first manager I had um, happened to manage Benny Blanco at the time right as he was sort of like hitting his stride with all those early like Katy Perry records so I, I got to connect with him early on and that was really inspiring oh wow um, yeah in a more zoomed out sense I think like uh, Brian Eno is another producer that's always been really inspiring with all the stuff he did with Coldplay and U2 and all the sort of like left of center ambient records he did I, I was always really really inspired by that Oh, definitely. Well, you you actually produced a song that went platinum in I think three different countries uh, with the artist Pink. What's what's that experience like having you know knowing millions and millions of people have bought your 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 work? Um, is does it does it get uh, you know does are you able to wrap your head around it? You know, I, I've like in the time I've spent doing this, I've learned that the 
the time when I feel the most connected to a record is different than everyone, when everyone else will, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I try to, I recognize now that like when I'm working on something, usually months or years before anyone hears it, I try to really like appreciate that that's my moment with the song. You know, it's like driving home from the studio, listening to an early mix of something or that feeling of like electricity shooting out of your fingers when you first crack the code on something and it all comes together. Those are the moments when you're like, Oh my God, it's, it's happening. Um, you know, hearing a song on the radio or, uh, you know, like seeing a song played in front of 20,000 people is still one of the coolest experiences I've ever had, but it, it does feel, um, it, it, it comes and goes in a way, you know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. it's, it's like, as soon as the song comes out, it's no longer mine. It's like everyone else is having experience with. So it, it's been really, um, it's strange to have those things happen. Like by the time a song, you know, if it, if you're fortunate enough to have a song, you know, be playing on the radio and, and it's everywhere. It's like, I've already heard that song thousands of times. <laughs> so yeah. It's really interesting to have that experience and try to like, be present and appreciative of it um, because it does feel a little, um, what's the word? Like, uh, I don't know, it's hard to wrap your head around. Yeah. Well, that's interesting to hear, uh, you know, you listening to the song first in early production and, you know, demos and stuff. I guess that will be uh, kind of your moment to, to have um, but then when it's, yeah, that's kind of a perspective to, to hear, like, you know, it's everybody else's when they're listening to it, they get their own experiences. So that is kind of cool to hear. Yeah. Um, so could you talk about your collaborative relationship with Betty who I know you've, you've released a lot of songs with her, you know, producing and writing, and I'm sure, uh, some more in the works already, um, that are going to be coming out. Um, but what, what's it like working with, with her? Betty's one of my closest friends. I mean, she, uh, she was one of the first artists and writers that I met when I was at Berkeley. Um, so that relationship goes way back. And, uh, and I think she and I, we're, we're extra close because we, um, we, we were side by side, like learning our craft. You know, we, a lot of those songs that are bad songs that we had to write to get to the good songs, we, we wrote with each other, you know? And, and oh, yeah. I think all, all those hours, especially early on, really like, uh, they really like bind you tightly with someone. So, you know, she's still one of my closest friends to this day. And we sort of, it's like a sibling relationship, you know, we can drive each other totally crazy. Um, but we've also made incredible stuff together. And she's such a phenomenal writer. Um, it's been really, really special. Yeah. To, uh, to be able to like sort of see each other grow in, you know, album increments instead of one song every couple of years or something like that. Oh, absolutely. That's really cool. So I think my favorite production is the when the snare comes in on the song "Ignore Me," um, you know, it just like has the, you know just like pow, and then and then you start bopping to it. Um, I was talking to uh, Brett McLaughlin. I just had him on the previous episode. Um, I was talking to him a little bit about you and you and him working together and uh, writing that song. So, what 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 was it? Did you write that or did you just produce it? Uh, I wrote and produced it. So I, I wrote that with Brett and uh, Betty. Oh, okay. That was, was actually a really. Um, I'm trying to go back here in, in the archives of my brain. Um, I remember that day actually. It, it ran really smoothly. I mean, Brett is is a phenomenal writer, and and one of the things I love about working with him, he and actually we worked a few weeks ago. He has a way of keeping everyone excited and moving when an idea is good. 
without sacrifice for quality, which I think is a really hard balance to strike. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he, he knows when to take a pause or when to rewrite something, but he never slows it down. He always keeps things moving. So I remember that day being, it's like my memory of it was, oh, that was easy. As a, you know, I'm sure we spent hours and hours after the fact rewriting stuff and, and mm-hmm. you know, production art can always take like, you know, it's like a whole nother chapter of a song, but I remember that song coming together pretty quickly. Um, Buddy also came in that day with like a really strong sense of, she's like, I wanted to do a song called Ignore Me. And then we sort of asked ourselves what that should be about. And I, I think we also, that, that first loop that you hear in the song, the dun 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 dun, that's like a guitar or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, we wrote most of the song around that and like a tiny little piano sound. So it's like the production that we ended up with was pretty uh, like true to the, the initial demo that we had going. So I think there was just a magic to how minimal that production was. Wow, awesome. So, uh, Peter, could you tell us a little bit about your connection to Nashville and working with artists such as Coin and R. Lamar, who are, who are stationed here in Nashville? Um, do, you, do you get out here to write at all much? or are Because I know you're based in L.A., but I wanted to have you on and kind of talk a little bit about your story. Yeah, I've had nothing but great experiences writing in Nashville, and truthfully, I, I haven't gotten to go as much as I'd like. Um, I've done two or three trips over the last couple of years, um, and every time, I don't think I've had a bad session in Nashville, which which says a lot. I'm also, I, I think of myself as a songwriter first and a producer second, so, you know, for me, I, I'm I'm just like a kid in a candy shop, because in Nashville, I feel like every session, I'm always with, like, A-plus songwriters. Um with porn, I met those guys in Los Angeles, so it's kind of funny. Like it wasn't until um, later. I think we connected in Nashville like years after. But yeah, the initial meeting we had was they were out in Los Angeles, and they had just put out their first album with Columbia. I want to say, and okay. we were working on what was going to be their follow up. And um, we just had these two really special days where talk too much came together. But those guys are the best. They're like, uh, I'm, I'm still like to this day. I text Chase. And Joe sometimes just to be like, I'm such a fan of you guys. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, Nashville's been great. I actually, it's funny. Um, my boyfriend's mom has a place like 30 minutes outside of Nashville. So I'm there, you know, once or twice a year, just, just having, you know, like spending a holiday or just downtime there. So it's actually been great to just be able to spend time there. That's, that's great. Um, I know, you know, it does get colder here than LA. I wish I had like a, a house over in Los Angeles that I could travel to over the winter months, but it doesn't get too bad here. So we're, we're good. Right. Uh-huh. So coming from New England, it's all like, it's all mild compared to New England. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, so Peter, you also co-wrote a song, uh, by the night game called the outfield. Um, and, and it was a really big hit. I saw them actually open up for John Mayer in Nashville. I think he invited them like, you know, personally to open up their tour. Um, which was pretty cool. Um, what, what, what's it like working with uh, the night game? Oh, man. Martin and I met actually working on the first Betty Who record years earlier, uh, Martin being the, the front man of the night game. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, he and I worked on a couple Betty Who records together. And then I, I think it was after that first album came out, I was taking a couple months just to start uh, start new ideas for, for me and just, for just trying to sort of like uh, recharge creatively. And this one day I was just banging my head against the wall. I couldn't come up with anything that I liked. And I had just listened to, what was it? I think it was, it was called, it was Your Love by the Outfield. And so I started to play 
this like really sort of almost, almost camp like uh 80s guitar part mm-hmm. um and i grabbed the mic and i just started singing melodies there were no real lyrics and when i uh when i started to sing the chorus i think it was like either far away or fire away i wasn't even really sure what i was singing and i just sang the outfield almost as a way to mark the demo you know what i mean oh, like wow. oh cool this is the one that sounds like the outfield um and then I sent it to Martin, I want to say a few weeks later, maybe we were together at his studio and he heard it and he was like, Oh, what is that? that's really cool. What, what was that? And I was like, it's just a, you know, it's an orphaned idea. So I'm not going to do anything with it. And he was really the one who took that and was like, there is such a great song here. And I think he's one of the best songwriters I've ever met. And he, we, we ended up going back to my house. So I was in Sherman Oaks at the time. We drove back there. And I think that whole song came together in maybe an hour and he, he's such a sort of like, he's such a craftsman and really took that song from its raw form to like what it is now. And so after we wrote it, he went and made most of the rest of his record with um, uh, Francois Titaz and, and all these other amazing musicians. And it wasn't until six, eight months later where he was driving to Las Vegas for something and he literally, he sent me a video driving to the desert playing what was the final version of the outfield. And you have to remember, like, the version I had heard was, like, us singing into, a, like, a phone. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? <laughs> so it was, like, this full, like, fully produced out sing with live drums, Goye singing the background vocal. And it just sounds like this magical piece of music. Wow. And I got goosebumps. And, and so that was, like, to me, that was a really special moment, too, where, uh, you know, I didn't produce it, and that actually made me feel even more connected to the song because I didn't have to listen to it that's pretty cool it always fascinates me just like the the early stage of the song and and how it gets to be where it is you know to, to where everybody's hearing it so that's really cool i love hearing that stuff too yeah i love i i, I honestly I, I nerd out i i sort of beg songwriter friends of mine to tell me the origin stories of my favorite songs of theirs it's so cool well, uh, Peter, also congrats on your debut album. Um, it's, you know, very boppy, but also, you know, very melancholy a little bit. Um, what are some of the inspirations behind some of these songs in the album that you just released? Uh, so the album that I did, Attachment, the first body work that I put out, I mean, that was coming off of a really, really intense breakup and I had had those, some of those songs sitting, but a lot of it was written just in the wake of that breakup. And I was at a point where I needed an outlet for my own voice and I needed to be able to really sort of dive deep and explore things that I wouldn't be able to explore if I was writing for someone else. Mm-hmm. So that, that first album, it was funny. It's, it, it, you know, the... What is it they always say? It's like, you, you can take as long as you want making your first body of work and there's no one waiting for it. So it's like, it's some of those songs, it's like, you know, uh, if you're happy now, sat for two years, whereas watching TV with the sound off was, you know, gone in two weeks and it was the first single. So it's like that first record is a real, um, it's a time capsule for me. And when I released No One, so this the, the first thing off my next record, uh, you know, that was the first that was the first song I wrote for this next record. And I knew as soon as I wrote it, I'm like, okay, I have to move quickly because I'm in a space right now where I, it's like, I'm feeling a certain way and these emotions and this thing will only last for so long. And I just mm-hmm. need to sort of make uh, like a marker. I need to make a journal entry, so to speak. So it's funny that first record, it spans so much time for me. 
Um, but I'm so proud of it. I mean, it, it really does feel like, you know, it's like three years of, of life right there packed into those songs. So it's, it's, it's charged emotionally for me. Oh. Well, you can feel it. You can yeah. definitely feel it in those, in the songs. Um, but I'm excited for, you know, the new album. So I, I saw it's Friday, October 30th, the day before Halloween. And I saw that you posted on Instagram that a new single is coming soon. How soon are, can we expect it? November 13th. November 13th. Awesome. Can you, can you say what it's titled? Uh, I'm going to announce the title this week. Um, but I am so excited. I, I honestly think it's one of my favorite songs I've ever made. Wow. It's specific, you know, it's like, I love, I love every song that I put out, but I, I, even months ago, even when I knew no one was the first single, I was saying to Ethan, I was like, something about the second single on this record is just, it's, it feels so special to me. It's such a moment. So I'm really excited. I'm like dying to share it. Well, awesome. I'm excited to hear it. Um, well, Peter, thanks so much for taking the time to talk with me today. I'd like to play the newest single that you just mentioned, uh, No One, featuring Nash. Um, and it's out everywhere right now that you can listen to it. But I want to place it in here for the listeners. And uh, excited for the new stuff, Peter. And uh, best of luck to you. Thanks so much, Jordan. Appreciate it. You're touching me. I'm meant to breathe. I guess I just forgot to. Getting deep, we meant to sleep, but baby, I don't want to. We got a good, even the bad nights. These are the best I ever had nights. If it ain't you, it never would feel right. I know it don't sound right, but no one's gonna hold you. Know you like I know you. You might find a Shared ups and downs and bathroom years I'll take your heart and stitch it here And wear it like a souvenir And anywhere I ever go From down the road to Tokyo You'll never be alone I wrote a note to let you know We got it good, even the bad night These are the best I ever had night If it ain't you It never would feel right I know it don't sound right No No one's gonna hold you No one's gonna hold you No, you're like a 